Okay, I'm going to speak. I'm hoping that you're all going to respond and talk to me, and not just let me just go on and on and on. Um, it's not so easy to hear. I have to, even the one who's, who came close, I, it's still hard to hear. So you have to speak up when you want to say something. Okay. Um, I was asked to speak about a couple of things, um, and then open to questions. And uh, if you have other random questions, um, the one thing, the first thing I'm going to talk about is um, the New York City water. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to just give it. A, I, I'll sort of say it in brief if I can explain it. Good. Okay. Um, and I, I three. I see three real questions. Um, two, two or three parts of the question. Okay. And the first one is, um, which is when we first started, which is way back when you were at the beginning of the sim, um, which is um, whether the water should, whether it should be lifted because the bugs growing in certain places are not us, sir. Um, that's like like a big surprise to people when they open up the this sim and they find out that. The sin is all about the bugs in a mutter. You know, the bugs that are us, those are the obvious ones, you know? If you see a fly in your house, okay, you know, I'll eat that. The, most of the sin is about the bugs that you're allowed to eat. Um, so you find out at the beginning of the sin, there's all these, like, mysterious halachas about bugs in water that are mutter. Um, you see in the Dr. Chuzia that it was a very real shiloh for people that they had bugs in their water. That, I mean, we don't usually see I mean, in Columbus, you never saw bugs in your water. Uh, we don't see it in Chicago. Everybody's water is filtered. Uh, we don't see bugs in our water. But it used to be a, a very real shiloh. Um, so you look at those, didn't all of a sudden you had, you know, dust off those simon to find out what was going on over there. So we find out that in, in some places, in Yam and the um, bugs are always also. Uh, Yam and the Cholom are seas and rivers. Um, they're noivim and the moishim. Water's always coming to them, and the water's always moving, and that's for sure it's also. The opposite extreme is, is barriers or kalim, which are things where there's no noivim, there's no uh, source of water, no no continual source of water, and there's no moishim, there's no water flowing out of them, neither it's mutter. Um, and then the middle case is charitzin and itzin, is canals and trenches, where some of the what the dinners are theirs, um, the implication is that we should be machmer about it. Okay, it's a child with the rice, and therefore we should be machmer about it. So, the, the big child that came in, in New York about, in this angle was, there's this huge reservoir called Kensco. Um, Kensco is this huge reservoir that holds the water, all the water that's collected in the Catskills um, is brought down to, uh, we'll say it's brought to this place called Kensco, it's a huge uh, reservoir, uh, which used to be its own little lake, and it turned into this huge reservoir. Um, and the question is, whether the, the, the Everything comes there from there to the drinking water. Is that what is the status of the, of the bugs in that water? Um, so some people thought that the, the first portion is, is it noivim, is is water flowing into it continuously? So some people said, well, there used to be a lake there. There's a tiny bit of water that flows in from springs. Eh, not such a strong swarm. And some people said like that. The stronger swarm was that where did all that water come from? All that water that's in that's coming from the Catskills is coming from streams and rivers and, and lakes. It's all coming from places that really count. You know, I mean, almost all that water comes in. The, the simple reading is that that's no them. Um, so it went through, a, a, through, it went through an underground tunnel to get there, but give or take, it's all coming from traditional yam in the home. That was a simple thing. It should be, it should be considered um The other side is it should be considered mush, and should we say the water flows out of it? So there, Boski said, Boski said, no, it's not Moishkin, because the, it's, it's, a, it's a reservoir, it means it's closed off, the water doesn't go in place, it doesn't move at all. Okay, so, um, of course, the arguments against that are that 
the water doesn't go out of there. The whole New York City drinks the water out of there, you know? The, 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 you know, see, in the book I wrote, there's as much water goes out of there as the whole Niagara Falls, you know what I mean? There's water pouring out of there on such a regular basis. Of course there's water going out of there. I can see water's not flowing out of there, you know? Um, and even the case that you want to say, it only flows out by people controlling it. So they said, look at that, there's a rivalry. We took Mama exactly about that case, um, about where the humans control the water coming out. And he said, that's considered a mushroom. Um, and of course, if you look at it, anybody who looked at, at, at Kensico thinks that they're looking at, at Lake Michigan. I mean, they think they're looking at a regular sea. The water's moving around like any other, in the other uh, sea. Uh, so lots of people thought it was mushroom also. So Rodolfo Feinstein held like that. He said, it's a yam. It's, it's noivim, and it's mushroom, it's a yam, and any bug that's in there is automatically awesome. Um, Rabelsky said, no, it's not noivim, and it's not mushroom, it's neither of them, okay? Um, but, which is, of course, he says, it's just a big bar, okay, which is so hard to get your, wrap your hands around. I mean, people, people are going boating in the air, it's like, it's like, it's hard to believe that that's a bar, you know? But it's a, um, that's what he held. Um, and he said, um, Okay, so he held it, was, and others held in the middle. They said, yes, it's Neuven. It's not Neuven. Uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it is not Neuven, but it is much more which way. They held that it's in between there, and it's a case of Chritz and Itzim, which would have to be Machron. And then there was one little angle saying maybe they could be Makel here, because um, we're only dealing with a Suffolk drop on them. We don't have a bug in front of us. We only have a Mir and Motsi bugs. So maybe we could say that's a Suffolk drop on the Huckle, and be Makel up there Chritz and Itzim. Okay? That was in very short. The first part of the shaila is whether the bug should be us or not. Um, should we maybe say that the halachas at the beginning of the simon are enough to tell us that the bugs are not? Okay. Can I go to the next thing? You have something to say? Toga, toga, you guys speak loud. Okay, you, you're going to have to get even closer. Now, not only are you far away, but I'm older than you are, and I can't hear it as well. So. Right, so so that's a good question. So why don't we say well, even even if water's in a bar, it's considered it, there's a, it should be considered it'll be purish. So on that he wanted to say was um, I, I don't say what I say. I, I don't know what he said about that. I don't have I don't remember giving a specific answer to that question. But people say what he says is that uh, it's mutter for two reasons. It, it's mutter, I'm sorry, it's mutter because um, of a sweat taker. First of all, it's a machlekas thousand shach. What does it mean that the water left the bar? Okay, there, there, there's a din about you take the water out of the bucket. It's like it seems like a steer at the beginning of those din in there. And so which one case is mutter, which case is also machlekas shach and taz about whether uh, what the pshat is that. So he said we could one side on the sweat taker is, is that maybe. It, it didn't even leave the bar because it went. The water goes completely goes from the from your sink straight into your cup. All the water came out together. The bug never left the water. Um, point to Taz that wouldn't be considered that it left the bar. And the second topic is there's an like this later. I don't know if it's by the din you're up yet. I'm not sure up to yet. Which is the sphinx in the Gemara about what does it mean to be purish? What is about purish mace? If a, if a bug leaves the its habitat when it's dead already, I don't remember which thing that's in. If it left that, um, if that's considered peers or not peers, or if that qualifies as peers, um, so we're machmir on that thing. The Gemara has a whole list of sfekas, uh, maybe eight sfekas about about cases about whether they're considered peers, and one of them is peers makes and it, it died. And in our case, that's what happens because the the chlor- chlorination of the water at, before it leaves Kensco kills all the all the copepods. So, 
So Ravelsky said, so they say in his name that he would have said, so it's a Svexveka. Sophic, if it's considered pure, it just gets into the water, if it gets into a new container. And Sophic, uh, if pure is Mace's mother, so we say it's Svexveka, and it should be mother because it's Svexveka. Okay? Now, you should know, he, he, he said, you know, he said, so you, he, he had this real, this, this was totally shocked everybody when he said, you're actually better off not filtering your water. People said, we want to filter it, then you're better off, because if you filter your water, then the bug will sit on the top of the filter, and after it sits on top of the filter, then it comes out, then it was for sure purish. So he says, you're better off not filtering your water. Of course, that, that was like, people couldn't, they totally flabbergasted by that one. Um, I see we have someone who joined us. Isn't that specific, but only shy once, if you're putting the water straight into the feed, but if you then take that water, and let's say you're going to cook with that water, you're going to pour that water onto the flour, mm-hmm. and Right. So you're right. So there will be cases that it wouldn't be mutter. You're, you're correct. There are cases that it won't be mutter. So there are cases that... No. So, so again, I haven't I answered that this part of it. This part of the, the What about the one left from the bar? I would show from other people that he would have said that. Because I didn't talk to him myself to ask him that question. I, this vexation is what people are saying he helped. What would happen in the case of, of like, like you said, when you bake with it? Once you bake with it, so you mix it with the flour and water together, so now it's for sure purish, you know what I mean? So then we don't have a sex signal, so I don't know what you would have said that, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, were, were there any other major placekin that agreed with Rebelskin? So, so I don't know that people agreed with him on this first part. Okay, this, this first part, which is like his main chiddish, was that this, these bugs are completely mutter, it makes no difference. I don't know others who agreed, this, I'm not saying uh, there wasn't anybody who did agree with him. But I don't remember him reading him. The other things I'm going to tell you about why it should be mutter, that's more um, reasonable that people agree with it. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, again, I can't put my finger on the name on it, but if most people who think that you could drink the water in New York City will think for the other reasons, not for this reason. Okay? This reason, first of all, you have to be a little smarter to know this reason. This is a little more involved to know this. But, but uh, most people never saw the beginning dinner with the simon. But also, it's, it's much more of a chiddush to say it's not noyum and it's not moshchim. I mean, it's like, like look at it. I mean, what, what, what every regular person would think that it's both noyum and moshchim. You know, that, that's the, the simple way I'm saying. You know. Okay, so, so the, other, the other reason, or it's two reasons that are, it's one reason which is really two. And that is, let's say the bugs are awesome. Not moshchim. We'll take the bugs. The bugs, the, the, these are yamim and the, any bug that lives in that water is awesome. But the first part of the question is, um, are the bugs visible? Okay, are the bugs visible? So, um, that's an obvious question. Are these bugs visible or not? Um, nobody ever see, no one sees them, you know? So, are they visible? So, they brought, somebody went to um, Prospect Park and went to the lake there and scooped out some living um, copepods. Okay? Then there was a big muffler because they were really copepods. It was a different breed. It didn't make a difference. They, they scooped up what they thought were copepods out of the water there and brought them into a test tube to bring in to Rav to look at. And he put them in tested, and they were alive. Okay, now, again, in, in the city water, you're not going to see them, because they're chlorinated, they're all dead. But these were alive. And they look like um, little flakes of dantrop. That's what they look like. Um, and he, <coughs> but, but they didn't look anything like dandruff in the sense that dandruff in, in, a, in a little flask of water just sits there. Since the bottom, these were zinging around back and forth all over the place. They were like obviously alive. Something was going on in there. Okay, this was not dangerous. Okay, they, but they looked like it. That's what they, they looked at. This. These very, they were like nothing that made, that said to you this is a bug. You would you would just blow it away if you looked at it. You wouldn't know, think of it. But it, something was going on in there because the thing was zinging around very much alive inside the test tube. So people said, look, you see, it's a it's a living thing. 
Okay, it obviously it's a living thing. So it doesn't have any anything that it doesn't have like a tail. It didn't nothing that you could see a tail or, or head or legs or anything like that. But it was obviously alive. It could, couldn't see anything else. Um, on the other hand, the other hand, um, when you pick up a cup of water, they're going to be dead, and they don't do that at all. Um, you wouldn't see that at all. So the, the truth is that this question, that whether something like that, where, where when it's alive, you could see what it is. It's very obvious that this thing is alive. But once it died, you can't tell at all. There's nothing about it that makes you be able to tell it's a bug. Um, is the, in the modern day, that's the most critical question about Hilchus What do you think about that day? Something that, when it's alive, you can see it moving, and you can tell that it's living. But now, when it's not alive, there's nothing, no way to know that this thing is a bug. I don't mean, without magnification, if you just look at the plane, there's nothing that will tell you that this thing is above. That's the most crucial question that there is. And depending on how you answer the question, depends on whether a whole pile of things are mutter or a whole pile of things are awesome. Okay, because it's the reason why you say to a person, people say, well, why don't I just look at my vegetables? You say, yeah, because if you look at your vegetables, you'll never see the bugs on them. Only I can see the bugs on them, you know? But, so, this question, which is if I look at it, I look at the thing, there's another, look, on my computer, that's right in front of me, there's a bunch of specks of what looks like dandruff also, okay? So if I knew that some of those were awesome, but they don't look like anything, they look like just, nothing like a piece of dirt. Um, so, this is a very big question. Um, over the years, the people have been moving more and more of a on that question. Um, that even if you can't see what it is, um, but when it was alive, you could tell what it is, then it should be awesome. And the other side of it is, one side says, said, come on. If it was a minute ago, it was also it was walking around. Now he died. So what happened? Dead is, so it's the same bug. And other people say, "What did the Rebbeinu expect from me? What would, what do you think? I, sh- I should know that I'm not supposed to eat this thing. How would I tell if this thing is also?" Okay, it's, it's a huge question. Um, I don't remember where I spoke about it. You'll get to it in the book. It's, it's a long chapter about it. Um, about this question. Um, so there were people. So that was an argument that's not visible. Okay, and Rebelsky said, "He says, he says, guys, he said, let's pause for a second. He says." He says, there are 8 million people living in New York. New York's been using the same water for 100 years. So 8 million people, however many have lived over the 100 years have been here, nobody ever saw these bugs until a few years ago. He says, how can you tell me it's visible? He says, there's a zillion people looking at it. Every guy who drinks a cup of water looks at it and doesn't see anything. He says, how can you tell me that that's nearly an item? Nearly an item that no one ever saw? It's, it's, until one guy watched his, his vegetables with water and he, he, he happened to notice it. So what, what was happening for a hundred years? So he, uh, he says, just, well, just let's just see this thing for a second. How can you call that visible? Okay, so that, that's the question here. Could that be considered visible when you can't, when you, nobody notices it, and even when you see it dead, it doesn't look anything like a bug at all. Okay, that, that's a good question. So in order to be machin, you have to say, yes, it is visible. Okay? And the other half of that question, which we'll call a different thing, which is, is it Matsui? Are there enough of them around that we should say that it's Matsui, as you know, I think you learned how Lachem Chesi, only, only, things only also if they're Matsui. If it's not Matsui, it's not Matsui. So, so here, there's uh, another thing that happened, which is, the people who were checking it said, we see this, I'll, I'll say, the Erech, there's one bug in every cup of water. And they, that's one piece of information. And they said, and I'll show you, look how big these bugs are. And I can show you these big ones, like they found this from Possible Park. Um, the question is whether, were there really that many big ones in every cup of water? Or was there really tiny ones in every cup of water? That wasn't so clear whether or, or we may be mixing things together over here, you know? I think a bug is even if it's really tiny. I show you the really big ones so you'll understand what I'm, that you'll believe me, but then I tell you there's one in every cup. So it's a question whether it was really much or not. Um, 
So that's another, it's a connected to being how, how big it has to be usher. The smaller that it is to be usher is the more bugs there are going to be per cup, you know. Okay? So that was the only half of the shayla. Okay, so, so the first part of the question was, maybe we should say is, um, growing in this, in the reservoir is not considered uh, a, a yam and it should be mother. That's one kind of question. If you say that, then there's not a little bit of a difference. It could be a, a trillion of them in my cup doesn't make the difference. The other half is, says is, no, the bug theoretically is also, but either I can't see it, or the ones that I can see are not mostly, they don't have to worry about it. Okay? Any questions before we move on to the next topic? If you'd actually be happy, you live in Columbus, there's no problem. You can drink as much water as you want to. Nothing to worry about. Um, only, only the special people in New York have this special water, you know. Okay. So then, uh, they said to me, okay, so now that we came up to this idea that there are bugs that are mutter, tell me other bugs that are mutter. I can't wait to find out what are other bugs that are mutter that I can eat, you know what I mean? So I thought of some examples. Um, nothing going to be probably too shocking to you, but some examples. Okay, the first one, the, I guess the most obvious bugs that are mutter, is at the very end of the simon, um, is bugs that are in fish, okay? If there's a commercial behavior, that the bugs in the fish are mutter, okay? Um, and you probably... Uh, even though you didn't get to the end of the simon yet, you probably know about it because there was big tumbles about it a couple of years ago. Um, and really, every like 10, 15 years, there's a tumble about it, about those bugs in the fish. Um, and this, the, the tumble that they talked about was a bug called Anisakius worm. And the reason why they talked about that one is because there's loads and loads of research about it because it's bad for uh, people who fish. So there's a lot of, a lot has been studied about them. Okay, the most, the common and the most known about because there's a lot of, um, uh, research has been done about them. So, um, the Gemara says that if you, the, uh, if you find the worms in the uh, intestines of the fish, then the, the worm, that's usher. The reason why it's usher is because it came from the outside. It swam into, it swam into the fish. The, sw- the fish swallowed it. And there's all kinds of details about where in the intestines would be usher. They find it in the flesh, so then it couldn't have come from the outside. If it's in, if it's in the flesh, how, how could, there's no openings from the, from the flesh to the outside. Excuse me, and therefore it's mutter, and therefore it's mutter because it grew from inside. Okay, and um, we say it's maybe it comes, it comes, it grew from inside, inside the fish. Um, now, in modern science, so I don't know, 200 years ago, they found that in modern science, nothing grows by itself. Okay, there's no, they, but they used to believe in spontaneous combustion, com, uh, not combustion, spontaneous. I'm missing the word. Anyhow, they, things come by themselves, spontaneous generation. Um, they said, there's no such thing, and everything comes from something. Nothing comes from nothing. So, so now we have this question, what does the Gemara mean when it said that things are sp- spontaneously generated? It seems to be saying that it's spontaneously generated. So, uh, one answer was given by Fessler, you probably know, uh, which is that I told you a minute ago that bugs that are very small um, are not ulcer. When they're so tiny, they're not ulcer. So our vessel said, when things are very tiny, to the point that they're not visible, they're not, in the end, they're not considered a bug. At some point, it grows bigger and bigger, and it crosses the line, and now it becomes visible to the point that, now it is usher. Now this is a bug that calls usher. So when it crosses that line, it was as if born, because until now, in din didn't exist. Until now, in din it was just a piece of dirt. Now it's considered a bug. So when it by itself did that, it crossed that line without any parents. There were no parents around. It's not like a cat. A cat is born. When it's born, it's already big enough that you can see it. But this is, is so to speak, born without any parents around. It goes from being nothing to something, meaning from under-visible to over-visible, uh, without anybody there, so without any parents. So that's considered um, 
that's considered to be spontaneously generated, and that's what's considered to have been born. Okay? Um, that's what that's what's it. Um, but, um, and that's a fine answer. It doesn't answer every single case, uh, and it might help in this case also, explain this case also, but um, you'll see when you get to those endinim, um, what, at least for me, was my favorite chapter was about, um, oh my gosh, I forgot the name of the bird is, um, you'll get to it, it's called a, it'll come to me, um, that the, the Maril says a different shot, okay, the Maril says a different shot, the Maril is really asking a question, he says, what's the line between a bug and a bird, or a bug and an animal, meaning we think ants are bugs, and we think cats are animals, and they have different denim. Which ones are mutter, which ones are also? Well, what about a mouse? Is a mouse a big uh, ant, or is it a small cat? You think, yeah, uh, a mouse is, a, is, an, is an animal. Well, then you think even smaller. Well, a cockroach, is that a big ant, or is that a little mouse? At what point do we cross the line? What, what about a, a hummingbird? Hummingbirds are really small. Is that a bird, or is that a bug? Well, it's, it's really small. But it, in, in English, we call it a bird. But maybe it's a bug. I don't know. What's the line? How do we know what stops being a bug, stops being a bug, and turns into a bird? What's the, where's the line between them? What, what's the difference between one and the other? So let me have something to say. Okay. What did you say? No flesh? That's what it depends on? Okay. It could be. I, I, I'll take, we'll take any offers. Okay. What it's really saying is, you know, why don't we just throw it to, you know, the, the typical, the, the way that we think as Americans, the typical scientific classifications are, are very empirical. You can, empirically, you can tell the difference from bird head, you can talk about the feathers and the bone structure. There's, it, there's, there's, you know, it's not completely contrived to call a mouse an animal and a bug a bird. So, no, no, no. So, so you, you could suggest what you want to, and scientists have their way of saying it, but like, for example, there are some things that a scientist says that don't always strike us as, if I could use the word logical, like whales are mammals. You say, you must be kidding. A whale is a fish. Okay? You say, no, 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 no. It's a mammal. So we say, okay. so, so to us, because I'm, I'm not saying that they're not right. They have a way of, of classifying things, and these fit in the rules. And the question is, what's the terrorist way of classifying? It might be the same thing. Maybe yes, maybe not. Maybe that is, maybe not. But the moral tells it, I'll tell you what the chat is between the difference between a, a, a bug and an animal or a bird. Okay? A bug is this, and, and an animal and birds are like a step above them. He says, the difference is like this. He says, uh, uh, animal is something where the mother is pregnant, and after that many days or months, the, the baby is born based on how long it's been in there for. The mother's pregnant, let's say it has to be pregnant for five months. After five months, time is up, and the baby's born. Okay? It's, it's, it's determined by the parent, so to speak. Once the parent is pregnant, it goes this many days, and whatever happens, then the baby's born. He says, you know, a bug doesn't depend on the parent. The parent lays the egg, or ha- has the egg, and when conditions are right, the egg starts to develop and hatches afterwards. The bug is, of course, comes from parents, but the bug, the, the baby, the infant, plays a role in determining when it's going to be born. I don't mean it makes a conscious decision. It says, hmm, you know, Thursday would be a good day. That, that, I don't mean that. I mean is that there are, 
things going on that are not connected to a parent that make the determination when this thing should be born. Like, for example, lots of bugs do what we call overwintering. They lay their eggs before the winter. Those eggs lay dormant, and they, in the spring, they all come out. But when they lay eggs in the spring, they come out much faster. They, they, it didn't take them that long for the egg to hatch. It's that the egg is dormant. And when, condi- when conditions start getting right, the egg says, okay, time to start developing. And then it develops, and then it hatches into, a, into whatever it is, into an ant or a bug, whatever kind of bug it is. So the, the, the baby has a role in when it, should be, when it should be developed, when it should be born. So when the Gemara says this, that the, the, the uh, bugs are born by themselves, it doesn't mean that they're, they have no parents. Of course they have parents. Of course, we, maybe in, in science they didn't believe it then, but we know in science that yes, they have parents. They have a father and a mother. But the, the, it means is that the, 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 if the insect plays a role in when, it, when it's decided to be born. And therefore, I have no idea what trait hummingbirds are. I have no idea. But if you want to know if it's terrible to you as a bird or as a bug, that's what we're going to look at. Which way does it go? Does it automatically, the egg gets laid, and uh, when you lay a chicken egg, 21 days later, it hatches, okay? It doesn't make a difference. And if it's too cold outside, guess what? Then the chicken just, it just doesn't hatch, it dies. It doesn't work. Give or take. I don't mean it's exactly. It does a little bit depend on the environment, but give or take, 21 days later, it hatches. Um, and, but in the bug, it's not like that. It lays the egg, and when it's ready, then it hatches as appropriate. Okay? So, so that's what the Marel says. So the, 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 now, he, what I'm about to say does not say in Marel, but when, when the Anasakis worms goes from place to place, and the scientists have tracked how it goes, goes from here to here to here, and like many creatures, they have different forms of life, like the most famous we know is caterpillars turn into butterflies, okay? Today he's a caterpillar, tomorrow he's a butterfly. They have different, it's like a whole different life, okay? And even other bugs have different stages that are very dramatically noticeable, one from the other, even if they're not as dramatic as going from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. So when it goes and it moves into some place and switches from being an A to being a B, it changes from this thing to being that thing, that's considered as being born again. Because when it... it decides on its own that all of a sudden it became something else. So just like just like the it being hatched in the first place, it has a role in that. At a certain point the the conditions are right that this egg starts to form and hatch and become to something else. So too when it switches from being a A to a B, switches from that that that's also considered that it be it it is as if born at that point, and that's why it's mother, even though yesterday, even though yesterday he was, it had a mother, and the mother gave birth to him, and he's been floating around, but now when he's moved into the, he moved into the flesh, and he came, scientists will tell us he came from the outside, he moved into the flesh, and he, in the flesh, switched over from being an A to being a B, at that point it's as if to say he was born again, and he was born at that point, and he was never, he was never in the water. He was never sure it's in the water. Okay, he's, I, I should, I, I forgot to say that. I should have, maybe it was obvious, or well, I thought it was obvious, that he's mutter if it's born in the flesh because it was never sure it's in the water. Um, so he never was in this form. He was never sure it's in the water. Okay, so um, that, that's from the technical side. I can understand what Chazal is telling us. Why did Chazal tell us that? It was, it, it came from nothing. It just grew from there. Um, when we, we scientifically, we think that it did, it had appearance, okay? But you should know also there's a, there's a different angle to the question, which is the, the determination that these bugs 
the, the, the people who want to take Tosser said, you know why Tosser? Because we know that the worms that are in the flesh came from the intestines, in the intestines of mother. And in flesh is also, but we know that these bugs go from the intestines into the flesh. So the question is, how did you know that? How did you know that they went from the intestines to the flesh? Well, who was there to see that it happened? So there's two parts, two things that went wrong with how did they make that determination. One is, that was seen under a microscope. Okay, that was seen in a, on a microscopic level that they was transferred from, from the intestines to the flesh. Um, we usually have a rule that things that happen um, that are not visible to the naked eye don't count. Okay, so that's one question is it didn't really happen. But it's not, a little more subtle is like this. These, they, they went through what they call, they have these tunnels, they see these tunnels that show where the, where the worms go. So there's a little secret. And that is, there are no tunnels from, well, they never, they don't see tunnels from the intestines into the flesh. That's not what they saw. They saw tunnels from the peritoneum into the flesh. Okay. What on earth is a peritoneum? Peritoneum is the, the intestines are in the middle of the fish, and there's a lining around that uh, between between the flesh and the intestines, and that's called the peritoneum. Okay, the lining that sort of like encases the intestines. So they said, the, and the, the the tunnel that's sort of between the peritoneum and the flesh. They said, see, it goes from the peritoneum to the flesh. So they said, well, and they decided the peritoneum has the din of intestines. Okay? And they had possible rights from that. And since they decided that the peritoneum is considered intestines, so it's going from a place where it's usher to a place where it's mother, and therefore they thought it should be usher. That was also questionable. If it goes from one to the other, where it's mother usher. But that was it. Let's accept it. But that in itself, that was very, it's a very not clear decision. Is the peritoneum flesh or intestines? Well, let's think about it. What did the Gemara say? What's the reason why there's a difference between the flesh and the intestines? The difference is because in the intestines there's a way in. Okay? A, f- a fish could swallow something. Okay? There's an opening on both ends of the fish that things can get into the intestines. So things can get in from the two ends. So they get in from both ends, but they can't get into the peritoneum. It's on the outside of the intestines, not on the inside. So the the simple understanding is, yes, there was a possible right not like that. The simple understanding is that the peritoneum is not considered to be the intestines. It's considered flesh. Okay, maybe that was too complicated. Okay. I'm going to go through some other quick cases. These are going to be a lot faster. One case, another case of a bug that would be mother. Okay, it's not, this is not a common case. But um, lots of fruits and vegetables grow in, in greenhouses. Um, in... It's not automatic, but in many cases, a greenhouse is considered an utter shame and not. Okay, it's not, it's not always like that, depending on what the floor of the greenhouse is made of and whether things hang over the edge, whether they carry them in the street, whether the nursery is a, is, a, is a greenhouse. There's a lot of factors that would make it not a greenhouse. But there are greenhouses that are utter shame and not. In particular, coming next year, when it comes Shemitah, when people will specifically plant an utter shame and not to avoid Yisrael of Shemitah. You can read about that in the Sefer on Shemitah if you want to. So, um, so the, the, if it grows in Akshem and Akub, and the only bug that, the bug that's in here is a leaf miner, then that bug is going to be mother. Okay, I don't know if you read about the leaf miners, but the leaf miners are bugs that are inside, the, the, the mother lays an egg inside the flesh of the vegetable. Okay, so it's in, it, it, the egg is inside, and you would never know it was there, except that when it's born, 
it moves horizontally. It, it, it bores a hole alongside the hole of the leaf or the fruit alongside it as it eats its way through. And when it's big enough, then it pops out and it escapes. And you could see the trail of where it ate Okay, so you can see the leaf miner. You can see, I, I, I have a picture if I could show you, um, where it makes its way through. So the, the leaf miner, we know, was never purish. Because it, if, if it's still in there, it was never purish. Because it, it was born inside the vegetable and it never left. So if, if it's grown up to and it was never purish, if it was born on the ground, it would be us no matter what. But if it was born out to and it was not purish, then it would be Mutter Okay. A little closer. Does that include thin lettuce? Like it gives yeah. Lettuce? Yeah, so, so it, it, it's really amazing how small the bug is that you can find it in lettuce. It's m- I, I've seen it more in herbs than in lettuce, but that you see eaten away, I should have brought the picture for you, eaten away in between the layers. Like imagine, in, our, in my mind, a piece of lettuce is just one layer thick, but it's really, let's say, three layers thick. And it eats the center layer, just moves its way along, leaving just a trail behind of where it was. Okay, um, so no one, it, it's not, you don't usually see the bug, you just see the trail that he was there yesterday. Okay, um, another bug that would be mother is bugs that were dried out. So then, uh, one thing later in the simon is that bugs that are dry out for 12 months are mother. <coughs> we say that even bugs that are mechanically dried are also mother, um, which is to say we take, <coughs> and the herbs <coughs> in your house, your pantry are dried mechanically, usually. Um, they're dried mechanically. Someone takes these herbs, puts them into the oven, and dries them out. And most, most people assume that that has the same thing as being aged for 12 months. So bugs that are in there are mother. Um, and and um, it, it's not as clear, but it's assumed also that freeze-dried herbs have that same status. Um, and as you'll read about it if you haven't already, is that um, in order to determine that, first Rabbi Gissinger did it, and we repeated it again for Radulski, we took bugs and we freeze-dried them, okay, to see what they would be like, whether they should be dried out or not. Um, and we took it from a place that was doing freeze-drying. Um, you know, as I'm talking, I'm wondering if, when, when I did that... Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you that in one second. Yes, I'll give you that in a second. But I was just remembering something. That my, I'm, I'm not 100% sure about this, but it could be that Ari Bernhack's father was in charge of that company for the OU when I went to this company. It could be. That's what I'm thinking now that I'm, as I'm saying this. But anyhow, um, but this company that freeze-dries, I'll tell you what freeze-drying in a second. This company would clean off their herbs before they freeze-dry them. And they had this, like, drum with holes in it. And they just... It would turn around and around. They were trying to get dirt off of it and things like that. But underneath it, there was a thousand bugs, ten thousand bugs, because bugs were falling off this thing. So the, underneath all the dirt and stuff was collecting, but there were thousands, I mean, like handfuls of bugs in this box. And we scooped some out of them. We, we freeze dried them for um, Shostakovsky, who then agreed that yes, those were dried out enough. So a freeze dryer, I'll explain you what a freeze dryer is. Most of the, er- the herbs that you see in your house are almost never freeze dried. Freeze-dried is a much more sophisticated than the regular dry herbs you have in your house. Um, freeze-dried is you um, take something, let's say a strawberry. You, if you've ever seen strawberries inside cereal, okay, those are freeze-dried. Or for strawberries in yogurt, those are freeze-dried. What you do is you take, the, let's say, the strawberries, and you freeze them 100% solid. So it takes them, they sit for many, many hours, so they're frozen solid. You put them into a device 
which um, there's a vacuum in there. Okay. And the way it works is that when you make a vacuum, the stronger the vacuum is, the lower the boiling point of water is in that setting. So if you if you were to <coughs> make something to a pure vacuum, water would boil at 32 degrees. It goes straight from being ice under 32 degrees to uh, vapor at 32 degrees. What they do is they make they put the frozen items into this device where there's a vacuum and the heat is controlled. It's heated very little, not 32, it's heated very little, and the, and the water that's in the item goes from being frozen to being a vapor without ever being water. It, like if you put an ice cube on your counter, it's an ice cube and then it turns into water, and then you could boil it and then it could turn into vapor. This never has a water phase. It goes straight from being frozen to being vapor without ever passing water in between. It's a very long process. It takes like 20 hours to do this. It's very controlled and very delicate. And the idea is, since there's never a water state phase, the item uh, holds on to a lot of its shape and flavor that would have been lost had you just boiled the water out like you usually do. So the herbs in my house that are just dried out in an oven, a lot of boiled out besides the water. The freeze-dried herbs hold a lot more of their original flavor in them. Um, and the strawberries or whatever it is, and they, they, somehow they're more real when you do like that. So the, <clears throat> the freeze-dried herbs are not dried in the herbs the way the earlier prices spoke about. It's not the heat. <clears throat> There's a very little heat in there. But they do get dried out. Also, that's the point. Get them dry, get the water out without heating them. So that was the question. Is that considered, is that the same thing? Is that considered to be <clears throat> dried out like as it's 12 months old? That is dried. So we freeze-dried the bugs. And then you touch them and they, they were paper. They, 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 they were brittle and there was, there was nothing there. They look like a bug, you know, they, just like, like a, a, a freeze-dried strawberry looks like a strawberry, but these were so brittle there was nothing left. Um, in fact, you can't freeze-dry bugs. I mean, what I mean is, we said to the people, hey, maybe we should freeze-dry lettuce, and then you can have bug-free lettuce. They said, no, it won't work. It, it becomes, like, brittle and it just falls apart. Uh, you have to freeze-dry things that are a little more substantial, like shrimp and meat and ice cream and, and the strawberries. Um, I mentioned shrimp because you should just know why freeze-dry things in Hashkocha. Because freeze-drying machines are also used for things like shrimp and meat. Um, anyhow, so those, those things, herbs, are, are that we have, not fresh herbs, dried herbs. Again, in your pantry you have dried herbs. Or if you, um, some companies will use freeze-dried herbs. Some people even buy them, but they're much more expensive. You would know if you were buying freeze-dried herbs. Those herbs are okay. Um, the only little side question to this thing is that some people don't mechanically dry them. They just lay them out in a hot climate, like if you live in Egypt, it's hot and sunny and it doesn't rain ever, so they take the herbs, and they lay them on the floor, and they come back three days later and they're dry, and they're, they're, done, they're done, and they sell them to you. Um, so it's uh, not so clear why, if, and why those are mother. Um, what are the bugs that are on there? The bugs are not dry after 12 months, they're not mechanically dried, um, so that's a really good question. Um, if and why those should be mother. Okay, I have one more, one more, okay, so here comes a question. Good. It's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we just assume that when you dry it out, I mean, they dry it till it's really dry. I don't have to tell you, you know what I mean? Um, and we assume that that's dried out enough. The, the, it is interesting that there's a din in Hilchas Yayin 
that dried out wine need this two levels of how dry it is, and that's a question, if not for today, you have to read about alcoholic beverages. Um, the um, cream of tartar, how well it's dried. But for both, which is a zoo, I don't know, dry is dry. It's a good question. I'm not sure exactly, but there, if there's a number, you know. Um, okay. So my, my last thing to tell you about bugs that are mutter, or sort of that, that are mutter, is that um, you've probably heard that there are bugs that people eat. Um, there's a coloring made from bugs called carmine. Uh, and that's come from, it's a, it's a kind of a bug, and they crush it up. That's not the bug that's mutter. Carmine is also... <coughs> it's, it makes reds and orange and purple colors. That's what it's used for. It's a really good color. <coughs> but there's something else that's made from bugs that American Hashkafa is considered to be mutter, and that is shellac. Um, so shellac is not the bug itself. Shellac is something that the bug gives off a, a liquid that comes out of the bug, and they scrape it off the tree, and then they, whatever they have to do to it, and eventually it could either be used like to polish uh, furniture, or it could be used to polish candies. Like, you know, like, I don't know, like, like, like little, like, Mike and Mike's, you know, have shellac on them, okay? So, um, so there are, in America, we consider them to be mutter, Moshe wrote sure that it's mutter, um, in Eretz Israel they don't, so Chassidish Hashkachas in America also won't accept it, um, but we consider it to be mutter. So, <clears throat> the reason for that, I just explained to you, is that, is that carmine is usher, but shellac is mutter. What's the difference? The difference is that carmine is the actual bug, and shellac is something that comes out of the bug. Things that come out of a bug, that can simon pay olive, a yotze from a bug is also usher. Yotze from, from something trapped is also usher. But the difference is like this. When something comes out of a, a, a trafe animal, like milk from a camel, it's trafe. But the, it can either be called yotze minatami, which is usher, or it's pirsha, something that's excrement, something that's not edible that leaves the animal. And Rosh says it like this. He says, for what the determination whether something is yotze or pirsha, is it edible and usher, or not edible and mutter? That happens at the moment it leaves the animal. So when milk leaves a camel, it's edible. That's usher. When shellac leaves a bug, it's not edible. It's furniture polish. Okay, it's not edible at all. The fact that we later can do something to make it into a food, that doesn't make a difference. If, it's, if at that point it's not edible, it's considered pure, it's not considered edible, and therefore it's not usher. As opposed to uh, milk from a camel, when it leaves the camel, it is also so then that's it, it is edible and that has it in a few that's why it's um awesome. So why can't we say the same thing by gelatin? By what? By gelatin. So so that's that's the point is that gelatin is not a yoite from the animal. Gelatin is the animal itself. So there Ravan Putin said, he said, look, he's a hagam that um there are stages when it's not edible. In the end, when we make it something edible, in the end, when it becomes edible, it goes back to the issue that it had. It originally was a piece of an animal. It temporarily was not edible. It doesn't make a difference. It was temporarily not edible, but now it is edible, so it goes back to being usher. As opposed to the shellac, that determination doesn't make a difference if it's edible today. It's when it left the animal. I mean, when it was, when it was excreted, was it, also, was it edible at that point? If it wasn't edible, then it's mutter. Then, well, you can't make it guarantee later. It already left. It's not, not leaving at that point. We got someone in the corner here. No? I have a question. It's a carbon thing. Um, I understand why it's bug, but it's crushed up, no? So why should it be? Why is it bubble if there's tub? Okay, so you, the question is, so the question is, if we have a crushed up bug, um, actually someone asked the question, what happens if you have a dead bug? <coughs> so dead bugs are usher, and crushed up bugs are also usher. So the question is, but okay, crushed up bugs, dead bugs and crushed up bugs are all usher. 
but the amount of carmine that's in my food is a tiny amount. It's not nice and tam. No, for sure it's not nice and tam. It's a tiny, it's a tiny amount. It's for sure bought the position, um, and you can't pull it out anymore, so it should, it should be mutter. And the reason why that's not is that it depends on a different shayla. And that is, is there, is there, there, there are certain things that can't be bottled even though there's a very small amount. Okay? And so machlik is whether, what happens if you have something that gives color? Okay? It's not a maimid or a chashiv or a barrier. Those are all reasons why something would not be bottled. What happens if it's none of those things, but it gives color, which is exactly what carmine does. It gives, it makes, I told you, reds, oranges, and purples to the thing. It gives a very strong color to the food. So it's noticeable because it gives a color, but it's not, uh, it's not a mindmate. It doesn't change the character of the, f- of the food. It doesn't, doesn't, uh, it doesn't give taste to the food. So that's a shayla. And the Pichadr, most people follow what the Pichadr says. He says is, because the Machlok is, when you have a shayla with the raisa, you should be machmer. When you have a shayla with the rapon, you should be mekel. Um, since bugs would be also with the raisa, so therefore we're machmer. And say it's, it's a suffolk with the raisa, we should be machmer. And um, if it gives color, we would say the food is usher. Lafukeh, other things, there are other things that give color, from grapes, where the shayla is just a shayla of, like, you know, it comes from grapes, it's a shayla only of a drabonim, so there we'd say chazusa is lavmal, so we would say it doesn't, it doesn't answer. But here, um, since it's a potential derisa, we would say that it is also. Okay, um, I don't know if you want me to keep, I have two other things I was going to talk about, but I can talk about them, or you can ask questions, whichever would you have. I'm not partial to that. It was not. Tell me what you want me to talk about. I'll try to do it. I'll do it uh, live. What's that? Why, why is it any better? Why does it get better? Come, come a little closer. I guess I can hear you better. Why does it get better once it's frozen? Well, you know, we find things with, uh, that have uh, hashkacha, maybe maybe are given enough hashkacha easier because they're frozen. Okay, so I'm not sure. You, you sound like you're talking about a specific thing. A specific thing you say, oh, I know. What? Strawberries. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, like this. So, th- there's there's two parts to why something might be better off when it's frozen. Um, one has to do with uh, the matias. Um, so, for example, in, fr- in strawberries, um, I went to watch people um, who who s- prepare frozen strawberries and prepare fresh strawberries. Okay. When they prepare fresh strawberries, like when you go to the supermarket and you see strawberries in a little plastic container. Okay, so the, I'll, I'm going to explain to you how much processing went into that strawberry. There are some people standing in a farm, and they take the strawberry off the, off the tree and put it into the box. That's the whole processing. That's it. It goes from the farm into the box, and then another one into the box. Okay, and then the box goes into a truck and comes to your supermarket. Okay, they specifically don't wash it. Uh, not only because they, they don't want to waste their time, but because if they would wash it, the moisture would turn into mold, and the strawberries would become rotten. So they pull the strawberry. I watched it. Pull it off. Stick it into your container. Pull it off. Stick it into your container. Okay. And then uh, hopefully he didn't sneeze on them. And he puts them into the truck. And off it goes to your supermarket. So nothing was done to them. And if the, you like strawberries, and so do the bugs. So there's lots of bugs on there. You can imagine. There's bugs. The, the strawberries go right on the ground. There's a zillion bugs all over the place. So and nothing happened to them. So they come to your house. So of course you have to do something to make sure there's no bugs on them. Because I mean the bugs literally. It, it went right into the box. That's what happens. As opposed to the frozen strawberries, this punk fucker, the frozen strawberries went through a tremendous amount of washing. Um, they come in and they go through huge amounts of washing. And again, they don't have to worry about them molding because they're about to be frozen. 
um, and they go through a much more serious washing. Um, they're also more firm. They're finished. They're ripe. Uh, fresh strawberries are picked, not ripe. These are picked ripe, and they so they do a very serious washing to it. When I watched them do the washing, I said, hmm, that's exactly what somebody would do if they were giving hashkocha to it. They would do all these kind of washings. Then we took, <coughs> in fact, we took frozen ones out and checked them, and we didn't see bugs. Now, since then, the CRC has changed its policies about it and does not allow frozen strawberries. But, but when you talk about what happens, the, the processing that happened to the frozen product was much more significant than what was going to happen to the fresh. Okay, so that was one reason why it should be better if it's frozen than if it's fresh. So I'll add whatever our guy over here who has a question, and I'll get to the second part in a second. Say again, why does it say that? So, so again, because the frozen get much more processing, so it's easier to, under, to, um, to assume that there's nothing happening in the frozen. I'm sorry, that there are no bugs in the frozen, as opposed to the fresh. Nothing's happening. There's no processing happening to them. They're just being put into the container. But what's the difference between that and strawberries? So, so that's a, a detail. What I mean is that's a detail. Of, that's Robert Langer, someone in her office, who lives in fruits and vegetables and bugs. And he looks at this and he says, yes, there's a bug, and no, there's a bug, whether he calls whether there is or there isn't. I'm just saying to you, in the, from the, so to speak, in the theoretical side, is that the, the processing is very different from them. So he, the question was, why would frozen be better? So that's one reason why frozen would be better. But there's a second reason. There's a second reason. Okay, and the second reason is a little more subtle, and that is like this. When we have a bug, when we have a f- fruit or vegetable that we don't see any bugs in it, so, what's the name? So, if, if it's uncommon that bugs will come there, let's say on carrots, okay? It's, it's not much to be bugs and carrots. You don't have to look for bugs and carrots. Even though they might be there, you don't have to worry about them. Because it's so unlikely, you don't have to worry about them. Then we have foods which are, uh, it's, it's, much, it's common that it happens. So, Midrabanan, you will have to check to see if there are bugs in there or they're not bugs in there. Midrabanan, you only have to check them with an even higher amount, okay? Which we're always going to talk about. Let's say if most of them have it, have bugs in Midoraisa, you have to check. Midoraisa, if less than half of them have bugs, you don't have to check them at all. Midorabon, you have to check it. Okay? So most of the fruits and vegetables we have in the modern day are just matsui. They're not muksui. They don't most, not usually it has bugs. It's common that it has bugs in them. And it's a key to Rabbanon to check them. So when, if we're dealing with a, a, a fruit or vegetable that has only a key to Rabbanon to check it, so, achiyat rabbanan means is, you should do whatever you can before you eat this vegetable. You should do everything you can to make sure there's no bugs in it before you eat it. But, it, you know, in a, in a fresh vegetable, that's much more easy to do something than with a frozen. So there are times that we say, in, fro- in the frozen version, it's much that there should be bugs in there. But, but realistically, there's no way to find those bugs. In order to find the bug, I have to do something that would make it impossible to eat this food. I have to shred it to find the bugs that are in there. Meaning when it's alive, it's easier to work with it. The bugs themselves are alive. Uh, I'm talking it's fresh. The bugs are alive. It's easier to work with it. I can find something. In the frozen, and not always, but at times, the frozen means it's not possible to find the bug without destroying the food. If that's true, then do as much as you can. As much as I can means nothing. I'm not going to do about it. So sometimes there may still be bugs in here, but since it's a, not such a strong amount of infestation, we say it's there's nothing, realistically, there's no way to get the bugs out of it. 
so that's a good question. Uh, the question if, I, if I got the question right, is <coughs> what happens when they sell them with Hashkacha? Are they doing a better job? Are they doing something more? Or are they just telling you um, that it's okay? So, as a rule, it's only a rule. It's not, it's not 100%, but as a rule, when someone gives Hashkacha and says, I give Hashkacha that this thing doesn't have bugs on it, or I give Hashkacha a that's kosher, that means it is they're actually going through the effort to make sure that there are no bugs in it. They're not just saying, oh, there's not that's good enough. There's someone who's there who's checking. That was one of the things I was going to talk about. They do a, a, they're doing something to make sure that there are less bugs. Like, for example, um, when I, this, this is not exactly the case that you want, but it's a, it's a sort of example. When I was in, when I used to work for the OU, um, they, there was a time that they gave Hashkocha to a broccoli company. It was not a Hamish company. It was a regular, you know, supermarket brand of broccoli. And the way they gave Hashkocha to this company was that this company got broccoli from different places. One of the places that they got it from was from a uh, climate that was very cold and very high up in the mountains. Um, and for whatever reason, there were few bugs in that places. Okay, for whatever, it didn't, wasn't you know, a good place where bugs wanted to live. And what would happen is, when they got the, the broccoli from those places, Amashiach would then check it to make sure that it came as clean as that usually did. And assuming that it came out clean, then they would sell it as kosher. When it didn't, this company is a very big company, and they would put it up to one of their other brands. They had many brands. So this brand was always the kosher brand, and they would, but they were able to do it because they were getting it from a special place, a place that was very cold and had no bugs in it. And other people do it, they grow it in a greenhouse, or they, grow it, or they wash it special. And as they're doing something to say, is, I'm making sure that there's no bugs in this thing. That's what they're doing. It's not, most people are not just saying this, well, uh, even if there are bugs, you're not going to get them out in this case, and this and that. That's not usual what it means. But I only say usual because there are always exceptions. Um, and, and just because, you know, he knows how to write his name in Hebrew, or he has a pretty logo, doesn't mean they did that. You know what I mean? You have to know the truth. But the problem with doing it correctly, it's, it's assumed. If I say it's, I'm saying there's no bugs in him, I'm making a real effort to do that. I'm doing something special to make sure that there's no bugs in him. Um, so what, what goes on is some of it has to do with changes in policy, have to do with changes literally in policy, like, like I talked to you beforehand about <coughs> how big a bug has to be to be awesome. So sometimes Hashkochas change their rules. You know, they, they, they take a different position about how big something, has, for example, has to be. And sometimes it has to do with just knowing more or, or, the, or the facts on the ground changed. Um, like you, you probably, you, I don't know if you may know, but there are Jews in Ramosha about cabbage having no bugs in it. Uh, Ramosha says that, you know, in, when he came to America, he found out there's no bugs in cabbage. Okay? And, and whatever he has to say therefore about it. Um, and that true, if you look at the date on the chuba, that chuba was written about a month after America outlawed um, DDT, which is to say, was Ramosha's whole experience in America until then was um, bugs, there were no bugs in any place. Because, and a whole generation of people grew up like that because there was this great uh, pesticide called DDT. They sprayed it every place and there were no bugs. Um, nothing. Everything was perfectly fine. Okay, but right after that show was written, it became illegal. They considered it to be unsafe and then started to be more bugs. So sometimes the Matthias changed, also things change in, out in the field of what, what people are doing. Or like the CRC at one point realized, you know, when the, the farms that do pick your own, it's like you let uh, you know, consumers just come on and pick it, they do put on less pesticides into there. Because it's not going to the market anyhow. People are just pick them by themselves. They do less. 
So he goes, hey, we have to be more careful about those. There are more focus on those than there are what you buy in the supermarket. You know, so people, so they just get, either things change or they get smarter, you know, and they, they realize more. You know. So the, the answer is, on a theoretical level, that yes, that's good enough. <laughs> it's enough to make it just not matsui anymore. That's good. You don't have to make it the zero box. <clears throat> and there's a right to that um, from the dinim about, um, I think it's coming, like maybe a kalacha test, about the, the bugs in beans. And they would soak them, and then they would boil them and try to get the, the big ones to float up. And this net test that we're not 100%. There's no way that every bug is going to come out that way. But it gave a, uh, basically made sure that there was no bug, and then it would leave. It was mostly beforehand, but it wasn't mostly afterwards. Um, and, it's, and it's much at that point. Um, I, I only say the word theoretical because it takes a certain understanding, which is <coughs> when you say, I washed it, and it's probably not much anymore, probably needs a little bit more uh, experience to go along with that. You know, that you really know that, hey, after doing that kind of a wash, it's not going to be, you know, it's going to be weird to have a bug at this point. Um, but if you could do that, if you know that at this point, you know, after that kind of a washing, there's not going to be bugs left, and that's, then there's not going to be so many. It won't be bugs anymore, then that's okay. But the case of the beans is only when uh, it was No. In the beans, it, you're doing two things. If I remember correctly, the, the hot water was to get the water to, to, I forgot how to call it. One of them is to get rid of the bugs that were there when, it was, when they were on the pre, and the other one is to get rid of the bugs that from later. When you say, I'm going to look at it, I'm going to see no bugs, okay, that, that'll work. But it wasn't a perfect thing, it was, uh, you know, it, hopefully it'll get everything out, you know. So, so why when you find one bug, you have to start washing it again? Okay, so, so I have to tell you something. The, the, the So, um, the idea is, 
it's a hashara that if I, if I did X, Y, and Z, and there's no and there's no bugs, then probably there aren't many left, any or many left. But it's only a hashara. So you know, if there's some left after that, then maybe I didn't do such a good job, or maybe there are more hiding someplace else. You know, so it's 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 just a judgment of whether that's good enough, or whether that's going to do the trick. It, it's not because the din says, but if I have one, then it's also it's, if I have one, well maybe there are three more behind it. You know, um, so it's it, that that whole idea that we can find some bugs in the water or in, on a thick cloth and therefore it's mother it's, it's all it's just uh, attachment you know so okay anything else seen cicadas? No. Okay. <laughs> I did. So 17 years ago, my in-laws live in Baltimore. Uh, and 17 years ago, we were there when the cicadas came out. Okay? You don't have to worry about anybody. I mean, you're not allowed to eat them. But but they wouldn't fall into your food. They're like big like grasshoppers. This is not like little tiny bugs. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're really big. Um, what? Do they lay eggs? Do they lay eggs? They definitely lay eggs. That's what came, that, they laid eggs 17 years ago. What's your question? No, 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 no. It's not like, you know, um, but you're not going to miss them. I mean, I mean, you, you can't hear yourself think either for, for a few weeks, a few days, but, but it's, it's not like they're going to get into your food. They're just like, they're big things, like, you know, the big bug. You step on them in the street because they, they leave, they molt, they leave like a skin behind. They like shed their whole skin and leave it behind. So this, it's really big. This is not like thrips that are going to get into your food. This is like, no, no, no. You have to be really bad off if you eat one of those. But you're not, wait a second. If you have little kids, they might eat them because they can play with them. Because they're like, it's like a little toy. Like when you find them on the street, the, 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 they're like this big. You know what I'm saying? You know, kids will find they play with them. So then you should tell your kids not to eat them. But you yourself are not likely to eat them. Okay, but say guys, um, it's been great. Um, no problem. If you have any questions, you know how to find me.